What up, Rinku Army and New Japan fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I'm your host, Marie Shadows. And on this very special episode of the Square Circle Podcast, I'll be going over a particular match from Block B of the G131 Climax, a New Japan Pro Wrestling that happened on September 19th. I'll be going in-depth with a unique analysis of Sonata versus Tamatanga. The only reason why this sparked my interest is because it was a really great match between the both of them when I first saw it on September 19th. And then being on Thomas Island and discussing that match a little bit further and letting Tama know that I like to break down matches. And Tama is definitely right. Him and Sonata are very similar in style. And if New Japan Pro Wrestling Management allows it, I could definitely see a very good feud between Tama Tonga and Sonata. Sonata has never really been one of my favorite wrestlers, but I could definitely tell you that for me to have interest in watching Sonata matches, it definitely had to be his little mini feud with him and Ishii because both of them were just using body language and their eyes to really tell their story and that got me invested. I am a fan of what I would consider simple storytelling because certain fans don't understand there's different levels of storytelling. They think that if a wrestler comes out and have flashy moves and could do a million Canadian destroyers, that they think that their wrestler is the shit. But are you really going to remember it a year from now? No, you're not going to remember a match like that. I remember Sonata versus Ishii, even though it probably wasn't that long ago. This year alone, however, the way that they decided to tell it was just a simple body language acts, the way that they looked at each other, the way that they were aggressive towards each other without having a microphone in their hand to deliver monologues that really stuck with me. So in order to get me really invested in a really good storyline, I would need body language on the mic skills is great too. And like the level of aggressiveness, depending on the wrestler, depending on the situation, but you're not really going to win me over with all the flips that happen in a match because I'm really not going to remember it. I'm going to remember more of the emotional side of specific feuds rather than spot after spot after spot without having anything to breathe while spots are happening, if that makes any sense. In this match in particular between Sonata and Tamatanga, there was absolutely no spots. Everything was done seamlessly and everything had its moment to breathe and its moment to think about and really understand that these two competitors are really equals and they're definitely two sides of a coin. They're similar but different competitors in the world of professional wrestling. All right, so I'm going to save all of my plugins for later on at the end of this podcast. If you are new to the Square Circle Podcast, welcome to the Square Circle Podcast. Again, I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I will be breaking down this match through the eyes of a writer because, yes, I do have a writing degree and a publishing certificate, and I really do love writing in general and going to break it down how these characters work, how the storyline works, and what the story was inside of that ring. Usually for the G1 Climax, there's really no story buildup, but you can best believe that with New Japan Pro Wrestling, there's always a story inside the rink. I could definitely find it. And if you guys stick with me all the way to the end, I love you, love you, love you. Now let me just jump right into this because, because I'm excited to break it down. So before I get into the first segment of this match, 
because whenever matches begin, that sets the pace and the tone for the whole entire maybe 15 to 30 minutes, depending on what they have. All G131 matches are contested under a 30 minute time limit. So I'm not going to jump right into how they start the match just yet, because I want to paint you guys the bigger picture of both of these men. Sonata and Tama are, like I said, two of the same coin, but they're definitely different in certain aspects and definitely how they think and approach professional wrestling. Sonata is the quiet type. He's always in the back, but you know that this guy is going to be sneaky and tricky in the ring. He doesn't really talk a lot. He feels like his promo skills are not up to par and that's something that he needs to work on. So there goes one of his weaknesses, one of his flaws. So how do you take that away from him and make him even more insecure? By forcing him to cut promos in the ring. He allowed Naito all that time when they were facing dangerous techers to be cutting the promos and talking with Tai Chi. Tai Chi and both Zack Zaber Jr. will still target Sonata in his weakness to at least get him to verbally say something back to them, whether that's the English that he knows or the Japanese that he knows, but it never really happened. And in order to be a full round athlete and performer in wrestling, promo skills, mic skills is definitely one to have. Now, on the flip side of that, you have Tama Tonga. Tama is not afraid of talking shit to anybody. And you guys better not talk shit back to him because he will clap you. Like, he will murder you verbally. Don't do it to yourself. Carl Anderson is still learning. Sonata makes up for his lack of promo skills in the ability of his body language when it comes to his in-ring ability or just like I said earlier, facing someone like Ishii. Sonata knows how to use his eyes to tell a story knows how to sell impactful moves, low impact moves, and just all around the physicality of having a match with his opponent. And this leads me to him being tricky. And you might wonder, how is Sonata a tricky wrestler? Well, if you ever study his matches, whenever he senses danger a couple of steps in, he manages to pull out a trick that no one is ever thinking of, and it goes over everyone's head. Case in point, whenever he does the O'Connor roll with that bridge combination pin to pick up victories, whether that's over Tama or anyone else that he faces. And yes, spoiler alert, Tama unfortunately does not win this match. It is Sonata being the winner, picking up two points by that move case in point. However, if you're upset that I spoiled the ending for you, it's already out there, but my job here is to have you understand why Tama is actually a damn good wrestler and why he deserves to get praise in this business and to show you how good Sonata is as well, even though there are Sonata fans out there and to make you guys understand that these two are the same, but different and what everything else means in story wise and kayfabe. Okay. Back to Sonata being sneaky and tricky. When Sonata pulls out Skull End, he could definitely pull that out of anywhere as well and then drop down into the body scissors so that way your body is extended and you can barely breathe and expand your lungs, thus making you want to tap out to Sonata. So Sonata has definitely perfected the timing of which he does his moves 
even after absorbing so much punishment from his opponents, he has that never say die attitude. He has that ambition. And at a moment's notice, he could definitely turn a move into something else. He could definitely counter it. You're not going to expect it because you think that you have Sonata on the ropes. You think that Sonata is going to be done after you hit this move. But guess what? He's kicking now and he's doing something different and he's changing up his style. So that way it could slightly, slightly throw you off. Now let's analyze Tamatanga for a bit. Now let's analyze Tamatanga. There is a discourse in the wrestling community that Tama can't wrestle and that people just don't like Tama. And I'm here to tell you why you're wrong. First of all, put some respect on Tama Tonga's name and the whole entire Tongan family. You guys like Loa and Hikaleo, but you guys don't like Tama. Well, let me put it in this perspective. Tama is the type of guy that talks so much shit that it kind of resonates with you because you know in your life, you have that shit talker in your life, whether or not that person is your friend or part of a family. And oftentimes, talking shit gets mistaken for telling the truth. And a lot of the things that Thomas says is very truth-worthy. It's no different than Jay White speaking his mind on things that we're all thinking, but too afraid to say it. That's the same thing what Tama does. Thomas says a lot of things that we're all thinking, but too afraid to say it. The only problem is, is that with Tama, he will straight up say he's talking shit about you. But if you dig through all of that shit, you're definitely going to find the diamond that has all that truth worthy discussion about whatever his point may be. But you as the fan don't see it that way because you're caught up. With the presentation that Tama allows you to get caught up with. Tama comes out with that amazing theme song, walks down that aisle with that swagger and vibes that only Tama Tonga knows. And as you see this, you're only reading the surface layer and not looking at it from the big picture that Tama Tonga has everything that a wrestler needs to survive in this business, regardless that his father is Haku. So Tama has his own swag. Shouldn't that inspire you to have more confidence in yourself to face your daily life and the daily challenges and obstacles you may need to overcome? Because for one thing, wrestling is definitely an extension of all of our fears and unknowns and uncertainties. And we face them with this confidence. We put on this act. Tama is definitely one of the coolest guys in the world. And to dislike him because of his outward appearance and swagger that he brings to the ring every single time definitely means that he has done his job as a wrestler. Because in some way, shape, or form, he resonated with you because he just reminds you of either that friend that you have that loves to talk shit and have the same swagger and vibes, or that family member that loves to talk shit and has the same swagger and vibes that Tama Tonga does. Aside from Tama talking shit, he is also calculated, always observing, listening, while being a wildfire at 5% of the time. Now hear me out for this breakdown. This is definitely not going to be no shadows math. 
And if you get that reference, please make sure to comment over on the YouTube side or even on the Twitter side at Marie underscore shadows. Every time that Tama gets into the ring, he is at 95% cool, calm and collected. The wildfire side, which is 5%, that's him wearing his heart on his sleeve, his emotions on his sleeve. And sometimes it's a bit of a hothead and can make rash decisions and maybe ask questions later. Case in point, between him and Jay White going back and forth about who's the leader, why is Jay not in the G1, Jay White over in America saying that he's the one that calls the shots and stuff like that, which, you know... If you guys need to talk this out, you guys definitely should talk it out. I propose a intervention because both you and Jay are the strongest when you are united and the weakest when you guys are against each other. So just stop it. Anyway, the wildfire 5% is the Tama that you're not sure what you're going to get. And sometimes in matches, this comes about whenever he is frustrated because he has pulled out all the stops against his opponent. However, his opponent keeps kicking out at two and Tama does not know what else to do. So that frustration is there. You can see it on his face. And sometimes that might end up tripping him and allowing the opponent to take advantage because right now Tama is not thinking straight. So therefore, the opponent is taking advantage of that. And Tama is definitely well packaged as a professional wrestler and can definitely outdo most wrestlers in the business. However, when you're not focused, that could be the easy downfall and the easy victory for the opponent. And you definitely don't want that. Someone can make the argument that Tama can be tricky, but Tama is a type of character that loves to showcase your flaws, your weaknesses, right in front of your face. Because he knows in the same manner of how he talks shit, he knows that those flaws and weaknesses, once they get exposed to the world, it gets under people's skin and people's insecurities tend to flare up. And that is one of Tamatanga's strong suits when he's with his brother Loa. And then now we're seeing it as he is a singles competitor in the G1. He is definitely the big picture kind of guy in Bullet Club. And you need one of those big picture guys. So Tama is so comfortable with everything that he does. Probably even his insecurities because he'll make fun of himself most likely. But someone like Sonata or like Tai Chi who had their weaknesses exposed to them, especially Tai Chi with the whole iron fingers, exposing that meant that he got under Tai Chi's skin and Tai Chi wasn't thinking right. Thus, the Gorillas of Destiny would end up picking up the victory. So Tama is very good at poking the bear, knowing he's poking the bear and doing it regardless. So that makes him dangerous, but that could also backfire to where if he runs out of ideas to get under his opponent's skin, that 5% wildfire inside of him will show up. Because Tama always goes into these matches with a plan, whether that's plan A, plan B, plan C, even a backup plan. That's why Jado is always on the outside for that backup plan and for that interference. But as far as I know, Bullet Club as a whole always has a plan going in and you never count them out for that. Now we can get into the match. 
Keep in mind when I said earlier that the start of the match kind of dictates how everything is going. So surprisingly, the crowd was definitely into this match. They were clapping and stomping their feet. They still have the mandate of the Japanese crowd cannot use their voice to speak or hear the guys. So they had to clap and make noise that way. So Tama decides to extend his hand in sportsmanship to Sonata. First of all, if Tama is going to give you his hand in sportsmanship, don't really trust it. And Sonata here really wasn't trusting it. And this is the play of the good guy, bad guy nickname that Tama has, because you're not sure if you're supposed to trust him since he's on Bullet Club and Bullet Club kind of rules like New Japan and everything else. So it's like, why would you want to trust him at this point? So even though Sonata is hesitant, Tama just forces it and, you know, uh, shakes Sonata's hand and then pulls him into a headlock. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just a guerrilla tactic, according to the narrative. So Sonata manages to slip out of the headlock that Tama has him in in order to do one of his own. Tama breaks out of that, does a drop down. And what happens next? I highly suggest wrestlers listening to this. Take notes. Because Tama goes in for the back elbow and misses only for Sonata to cleverly grab onto Tama's wrist, having wrist control early on in the match to then toss him into the ropes to have his own drop down as well, leading into some arm drags. And here is why that is special. I went back to watch that four times because I couldn't believe I missed it the first time. And attention to detail is everything when it comes to wrestling matches. That little tiny detail keeps both men strong. And you could definitely tell it's a competition between Sonata and Tama. At this point in the opening of the match, they're letting you know that this is going to be a competitive start. And that no guy is going to be pushing themselves away to create distance because they don't want to have this fight. Obviously, they want to have this fight and obviously they want to test to see how far they can go and what tricks they could pull out and basically do this for the crowd. It definitely showed that both of these guys are A plus wrestlers to have that little tiny detail there. And that's basically my favorite detail throughout this whole entire match. Just a simple grab of Tama's wrist just to throw him into the ropes to do a drop down, follow into some arm drags. And you guys know that every time you watch a match, sometimes wrestlers do the same basic formula, but they decided to switch it up. And when you switch it up, you make things fresh and interesting. This is why New Japan Pro Wrestling has the best wrestlers around. Sure, we might get tired of the chops and the forearms and the fighting spirit at times, but it's little instances like this that I'm grateful for smart wrestlers. Sonata and Tama are smart wrestlers. And that's what fans don't really realize because they're not analyzing the matches like I do and how I do it like this. But again, that was really smooth. And I really wanted to point that out. Tama then decides to roll out. A very smart move. And most of the time when they're facing other opponents, other opponents won't even dare decide to go out to the outside because Bullet Club is so comfortable and dangerous on the outside that they don't want to risk it. But guess what? He's fighting Sonata. Sonata is like, oh, fuck this and tries to 
go out to the outside to do some damage to Tama. But Tama sees this, rolls back in, and when Tama tries to land in some offense, Sonata moves and Tama accidentally hits Jado. First of all, Jado, why the fuck did you stand there? If you were standing there, you would have never gotten hit. As both men get back into the ring and do stereo arm drags and stereo drop kicks, in comes my second favorite part of the match where Tama gets shirtless, revealing a very mature body. And the crowd's reaction is definitely a gasp. So both Tama and Loa love wearing their shirts when they wrestle. So the moment that they take it off, fans forget that Tama used to wrestle shirtless, but either way, he plays to the crowd. He is the most comfortable person that you will see in the ring. So he loves when fans cheer for him, boo him, whatever the case may be. As long as they're making noise, that's the point of it. So Tama uses that influence on Sonata and basically has a smile on him. And now I guess he's the good guy, Tama. And encouraging Sonata to get up on the turnbuckle and get his own praise from the fans. Now, Sonata really doesn't do this. The most that he has interacted with the fans is either by the ring ropes or outside at the barricade to really feel their praise. However, in addition to Tama being calculated, always observing, listening, while being a wildfire at 5%, he also is a very sly person. And Sonata actually gives in, goes to the turnbuckle, and basically welcomes the cheers of the fans. But come on, this is Bullet Club. This is the bad guy Tama Tonga now turning that little praise into a sneaky roll-up to try to get the pin. The G1 is definitely all about a win is a win is a win. And Tom would try to capitalize on that, but it didn't work as Sonata kicks out and rolls out to the ring, which was a bad decision on Sonata's part, because then I just say that Bullet Club is most comfortable on the outside and knows how to use the environment to their advantage. I've been saying this since the beginning of the year. They are the most dangerous faction in all of professional wrestling because they are so comfortable to fight inside the ring and outside the ring. And they're just warriors by heart and by nature. I'm not saying that Sonata isn't a warrior by heart and by nature, but Sonata should know better to never roll out to the outside. And this has Tama taking advantage of that by running Sonata's back into the ring apron and then throwing him into the ring post and then doing a suplex onto the outside and then rolling back in so that way he could at least get a count out victory. Bullet Club will take their victories any means necessary by any way necessary. Sonata will take his victories by rolling you up and embarrassing your ass with the O'Connor roll. Tama then begins to slow down the pace of this match and you could definitely see that he's trying to think two or three steps ahead of Sonata. And, you know, it does work. However, Sonata is sensing danger. And this is where he switches up his fighting style. So Tama's going to throw Sonata into the corner. There's a big boot for the first time. But the second time, Tama catches it because he realized that he got caught with the first one. So he learned from the mistake. And bam, he catches it. 
and then does a punch to the gut and the face of Sonata and then whips Sonata across the ring. However, the momentum of Sonata hitting the other corner pad allows Sonata to do a drop kick to Tama's leg. And this completely changes the advantage of the match and the pace of the match. Now Sonata has his one up over Tama just because of that extra boost that was given to him from the momentum of the corner pad to do this. And again, like I said, it feels like Sonata was in danger and he's able to switch up his style so that way he could at least get some distance between him and his opponent. And again, Tama had the good offense and even thinking about what kind of moves he was going to do and how far he was going to be able to do it because he was controlling the pace of the match. So you would think that Tama has the advantage automatically, but that quickly got swept from him when Sonata did the dropkick to Tama's leg. And now Sonata goes into a combination of a clothesline into an arm drag and a backbreaker to Tama. Tama rolls out and Sonata decides to quickly follow it up without a hesitation, without wasting any movement or time in this match to add more hurt to Tama by doing a plancha and doing another plancha to Jado to keep him at bay. Usually in Bullet Club matches, Jado is definitely a factor and any outside interference that happens tends to happen a little too much for my liking and has become a really bad trope within wrestling and within New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, you know, I get it. And I'm happy that in this match between Tama and Sonata that Jado really wasn't a factor because then that would have lower how great Tama is on his own and it will definitely take away the highlights of what Tama offers as a singles competitor. So I'm happy that at some points in this match, Jado gets taken out and gets attacked by Sonata so we don't have Bullet Club interference because it can be overwhelming. But this just goes to show that Tama branching out as a singles competitor is something new for him, even though he has it in his arsenal, that he could definitely be one of the best top competitors as a singles competitor. And I'm keeping everything in kayfabe. He doesn't have Loa at his side to tag out and take a breather while Loa goes in and does damage to the opponent inside the ring. Tama has to rely on his skill and his craftiness to get him out of certain situations and make sure he picks up the victory. So this basically tells the story of that Sonata is so comfortable being a singles competitor that this is nothing for him. And this makes Sonata so comfortable in this match. Now, Tama is definitely comfortable inside the ring, but if we really want to analyze it in a kayfabe perspective for story-wise purposes, this is the first time in a long time that Tama is out there as a singles competitor because honestly, not many wrestlers can definitely keep Bullet Club at bay. Sonata goes for that paradise lock on Tama, I never care for the Paradise Locks. I don't have any analytical or story-telling purposes for that move. If someone has a theory about the Paradise Lock that Sonata does in reference to story-wise, please make sure to drop a comment on the YouTube side so that way I could understand it. 
Tama then kicks out of the attempted pin that Sonata does. And out of desperation, Tama does the Tonga twist, capturing Sonata. And both of these guys are down for the time being. And this is where Tama feels the momentum shift. He's back to his feet. He does a splash in the corner to Sonata and then grabs Sonata by the waist to probably do a German suplex. However, Sonata lands on his feet and runs into a power slam that Tama has waiting for him. Tama wastes no time and goes for a quick cover. However, Sonata's kicking out. The cool exchange about these two is that it feels like even though they've wrestled each other probably a thousand times in tag team action, they basically know each other and their moves and they want to counter each other and one up one another in this whole entire match. And that's basically what you see. They have similar thought patterns when it comes to offensive moves. And then they have the answer to the counters of those offensive moves until somebody slips up. It's like a game of chess. That is what's happening in this match. It is a game of chess, especially when we get closer towards the end. So after Sonata escapes, another Tonga twist by being a smart resourceful wrestler by grabbing the bend of Tama's arm where the elbow is at and lifting his arm above both of their heads to take advantage of it. He decides to do an arm drag to create some distance. When Sonata decided to create that distance between him and Tama really told me that he doesn't have the next steps in his head. And there goes a little kink in that armor that he has. There goes a flaw that Sonata has. Tama is definitely calculated. He knows what he's going to do next. If he doesn't, he does take a tiny breather. But it's only like a quick second and his brain is like, all right, we're doing this move. And there goes the difference in thought pattern between the two. So at this point, Tama sees an opening, does a big boot, and Sonata just goes with the flow and manages to catch Tama in a dragon sleeper, not yet the skull end that Sonata uses as its finisher. And Tama obviously senses danger by being in this dragon sleeper, and Tama manages to escape, but Sonata is holding firmly because many people have tried to escape the dragon sleeper, and Sonata just knows how to counter it. But Tama, again, is persistent and manages to do a tongue and twist to break out of Sonata's hold. Neither men are giving up in this competition of who can definitely out-wrestle the other one and who has an answer for all of their moves combined, which are similar, but again, a little bit different on the execution style. And again, Sonata is a very smart wrestler. He manages to get out of the tongue and twist by landing on his hands and feet. And this obviously surprises Tama. It surprised the hell out of me. I don't even think there is a counter to the tongue and twist, but, you know, Sonata is there to think about things on his feet and to really be that tricky self that I was talking about earlier. When Sonata senses danger, he is most comfortable using unorthodox tactics. Sonata manages to hit two big power moves to Tama. One of them is a pendulum twist, and then the other one is a TKO. He tries to cover Tama for the pin, but he ain't going down that easily. Tama still has some life left in him and in this match. 
Sonata is sensing the end of this match and goes for Skull's end. However, Tama then does an inside cradle that could have landed him the victory. But again, Sonata sensing danger kicks out of that and automatically reapplies the Skull's end with a swing. And usually that signifies to the other wrestler that Sonata is going to drop down into the body scissors and really stretch you out so that way you could eventually tap to that submission. However, once Tama felt that swing, he manages to counter it and does a double underhook power driver to Sonata. Which, by the way, you should keep that in. Which, by the way, you should keep that in your arsenal because no one else is using it, and it just feels right that you use it as a big finisher or just something really powerful on your opponent. Tama goes for the cover, but Sonata kicks out. And this is where that 5% wildfire you can see in his eyes start to happen. Because obviously that double underhook power driver that no one would expect Tama to do did not put Sonata away. Sonata is like a master at sensing danger. And if he would have not picked up his shoulder, he would have definitely lost the match. But surprisingly, Tama became focused again and didn't really allow his emotions and frustrations get the best of him. Because right now, both of these guys are just running on adrenaline and they know that they're down to the final moments of this match and it could be anyone's victory at this point. Tama decides to catch Sonata by surprise with a leaping gun stun. However, he leapt right into a counter that allows Sonata to do the skull end on Tama. Tama slips out, but Sonata reapplies the move. And as Tama is slipping away, it could have been an easy victory for Sonata. Sonata decides to do a moonsault to add more insult to injury, let's just say. And Tama gets the knees up. First of all, you should have taken the submission victory rather than trying to do something flashy that didn't really need to happen in this match. There was absolutely no reason why Sonata needed to add a moonsault to further hurt Tama in order to get a victory when he could have taken the submission victory and have that hanging over Tama. And so it cost Sonata because... Tama wasn't fully passed out and Tama got the knees up and went directly into a pin combination. However, Sonata kicks out. I honestly think that at that point, Tama should have gained the victory because that was such a rookie mistake on Sonata's part. And this is where I say that they're similar yet different. Tama is very calculated. Tama knows that if he goes for an extra move, it might cost him. So that's why he necessarily doesn't really do that. Sonata, on the other hand, is still infatuated with doing more than he needs to in these matches rather than trying to just get the victory. Like I said, he could have just got the victory by submitting Tama with the skull's end instead of trying to go for a moonsault to add further injury to Tama to get some other type of victory in a different way. So after Sonata kicks out of the cover, again, both of these guys are going for their finishers. Sonata once again has Tama in the skull's end. However, Tama is taking a page out of Sonata's book by trying to do a gun stun in midair, but that doesn't work. Sonata was ready for it and has a counter for it and pushes Tama off into the ropes. 
and rolls him up into the O'Connor roll with that bridge pin combination. And this is how Tama ends up losing the first round of the G1 31 B block to Sonata. Sonata manages to pick up a pin victory and that allows him the two points on the scoreboard, unfortunately. Overall, the match was fantastic and it was really perfect. It was nicely done as an introduction to fans all around the world to see what Tama is all about and the kind of offense that he hides when he's in a tag team. Because when you're in a tag team, you don't necessarily want to destroy the tag team by being the spotlight and the center of attention and doing all these flashy moves and then there's nothing there. That's why it's considered a tag team where it's you and your partner working together to get the victory. When you're out there on your own as a singles competitor, you have to rely on yourself, your wit, and the cleverness that you could come up with in order to get your victories. Tama is very talented. Sonata is very talented. And I wouldn't mind seeing a series going forward between these two. Hopefully Sonata can learn from the tiny mistake of do not go for a moonsault when you clearly have Tama there in your graphs about to get a submission victory. Remember, a win is a win is a win. And the G131 does not wait on anyone to get the perfect victory. By Sonata doing the O'Connor roll-up, that's definitely a win is a win is a win. And that could be done at any point in the match. A Tama versus Sonata feud would definitely be a really great feud down the line. Looking at this match from a big picture perspective, I could understand why they would want Sonata to win and pick up his first two points on the scoreboard for the G1 rather than Tama, and that's only because Sonata has been wrestling singles matches constantly while you have Tama with his brother Loa taking over the tag team division and doing it like no other tag team. And then for Tama to step in as a singles competitor would play the part in Hayfabe role that he's just getting started to build up his singles record. So it makes sense that way. And I understand why they would do that now. I honestly want Tama to win this G1. It'll be something new and exciting. And it'll definitely be Bullet Club worthy. So I'm interested to see how the rest of the G1 goes. And that is going to be all for my analysis of Tama Tonga versus Sonata for Block B of the G131 for September 19th. Now I could plug in everything at this point. Ladies and gentlemen, if you have made it this far in the podcast by listening to everything, I highly, highly thank you. If you do not want to hear all these plugins, then by all means, just hit that share button, share it to your network, and that could take care of the rest. Word of mouth is definitely a powerful tool. But here we go with the plugins. Ladies and gentlemen, if you think that this podcast episode and my deep analytical storytelling ability was worth your time, then these are the ways that you could definitely support the Square Circle podcast. And just as a reminder, I do this all on my own. I have no team behind me. So if you love audio podcasts, this audio podcast will drop on anchor.fm forward slash Square Circle podcast. 
Anchor is an amazing podcasting platform that distributes it to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcast from. So head over to anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast. If you want to throw a couple dollars my way because of the great analytical skills, head over to anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast forward slash support. Your contribution would definitely be going to improving the square circle podcast all around. If you guys like video format, head over to youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast over there. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and turn on the bell for all notifications to never miss an update. And if you guys want to share your thoughts, your theories, your comments, please make sure to leave that down below in the comment section. I do read everything and I do reply to everyone as well. I have taken the step to create a new newsletter via review, R-E-V-U-E, and that newsletter is definitely going to highlight my wrestling works and also the wrestling works of my peers and any collaborations that I do, and you guys can stay up to date with my wrestling journey for me to get signed by maybe New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Ring of Honor. I'm just looking for a home so that way I can help out the wrestlers and also be on commentary. So if you want to join the mailing list for that newsletter, that newsletter is completely free. I do not make any money off of it. So let me send you wrestling content to your inbox. Head over to www.getreview.co forward slash profile forward slash Marie Shadows. And if you want to take it a step further where you could definitely become an exclusive member as a Patreon member to get exclusive fun things, head over to patreon.com forward slash Marie Shadows because together we're making wrestling memories. And one final thing, I am on Twitter. Make sure to interact with me and follow me there for any wrestling updates at Marie underscore Shadows. And I know that was a lot, but simply... However you want to support the Square Circle podcast is up to you. You could either do it through tips and donations from Anchor, tips and donations from Patreon, or sign up to the free newsletter so I can send you wrestling things to your inbox. It is never going to be spam. It is always going to be my journey in the professional wrestling business. Oh, and also, if you want me back on Thomas Island, make sure to make some noise over on Twitter and tag Thomas Island and also Tama underscore Tonga, just because he's awesome. I have no other motive other than that, but go and show him some love. And yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.